Welcome to the Market Access Matters podcast. I'm Louise Bennett and I'm your host. In each episode, we interview a different guest to explore the ever-changing market access landscape from their perspective. We hear about the individual journeys of leaders in the field and what they're learning along the way. Today's podcast guest is Nick Proctor. If you're a regular follower of Access Infinities, you'll recognise Nick. He joined as partner in 2020 and has been a consultant in the biopharmaceutical industry for over 20 years. Training, coaching and mentoring others in global pricing and market access is a particular passion for Nick. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about that as part of our interview today. So let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thanks, Louise. Very nice of you to have me. Um, I'm following some pretty uh, illustrious footsteps here. (laughs) So I touched on some of your background in the introduction, but there's no way I did 20 years justice. So could you give us more detail on you and your specific interest in the field? I'm particularly interested to hear about your journey into market access. Sure, of course. Um, So uh, in a nutshell, it was pretty accidental. I started off, uh, I was pretty convinced I wanted to be an academic. So I I finished my degree and my science degree and I didn't know what to do next. So I I did a PhD and I I didn't know what to do next. So (laughs) I did some postdoctoral research. And um, there I started getting a bit of a wider view of of the pharmaceutical world. And uh, like, like in most career paths, I suppose I got to meet lots of people and hear lots of different views and lots of different experiences. And um, my research was turned into a, a spin-out company. Uh, and as I was working for them, uh, I started hearing about market access. Uh, and this was you know, when market access was in its, in its infancy, really. Uh, and it sounded like a, a cool thing to do. Um, and I, I you know, followed my nose. I, I got a, uh, an opportunity and I had some uh, some very, uh, very generous mentors who took a chance on me, and uh, I was was lucky enough to to fall into this career in market access. Now, um, so I, as I say, I was very lucky enough to have to have two great bosses um, uh, at the time, two great mentors, uh, and they've kind of established how I want to be a mentor going forward for other people that work with me. Oh, excellent. And it's amazing how many people say that they fell into market access. I guess there's an element of it going with the territory. It's not typically something a lot of people would sort of sit at home when they're younger and think, when I grow up, I want to work in market access. Um, But also mentoring seems to be a really common theme across all the interviews that we do. So when you were thinking about your career path specifically, what influenced your decisions, would you say? For me, one of the, the, the biggest things has been uh, the people, uh, like whether it's a, an individual mentor or the culture of an organization. That's what I've, I've tended to gravitate towards. Um, so it, it's not a particular academic discipline or, or even a, a particular um, area of consultancy. It's, it's about the people. And I'm a big believer that you can learn a lot from people and their experience uh, that applies to you. Uh, and and I, I love doing that. It, it's not necessarily about pricing market access. Um, it's often not. It's often about, about leadership, about management, uh, about communication, about marketing. 
So there's a lot of things for me still to learn. And as long as I've got somewhere to learn, that's where I sort of turn my turn my direction. Absolutely. So reflecting on your career today, what have been the biggest takeaways or lessons learned, would you say? Oh, crikey. Uh, some, some learned easier than others, I think, uh, along, along the way. I think a lot of people talk about, about seeing opportunities. For me, it's less about seeing them and more about them actually hitting me in the face. Uh, so a lot of the time, it's just about being in a, in a headspace where you're prepared to take advantage of mm-hmm. um, So to be in an area where you're, you're inquisitive and you're, you're you know, comfortable with what drives you, what motivates you as a person, and then following that. If you're young in your career, if you're early in your career, particularly in market access, there are a lot of great places out there that you can, um, you know, you can start your development. Uh, and my, my sort of recommendation that I give to, to all the young people that I speak to is, is find someone that inspires you and then find a way to work with them. Uh, and then it, it will happen. It will happen eventually. It may not happen the first time or even the second time, but um, identify those people and and make it happen, make it work, look for opportunities. That sounds good. And just to pick up on something you said earlier, um, what does drive you and motivate you? Um, it, it, that's changed over the years as well. So it used to be uh, solving difficult problems. Um, I love puzzles and in my career, I had not come across puzzles as difficult as the ones we have in pricing market access. <laughs> they're 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 like a knot upon a knot sometimes. Um, but but over the last few years, it's been far more about about people, um, about giving people opportunities and and seeing people flourish and develop and grow and become great leaders. Uh, and that has been something that has been very rewarding for me. Uh, and I think. You know, uh, the, the position I am in my career now, it's it's a great place to be, to be able to um, give people those opportunities myself uh, and try and support them in the way that they want to develop, knowing obviously that everyone's got their own path. Everyone's got their own way of doing things. Uh, my way isn't the same as everybody else's way, but help people find their own direction and, and develop. That's what really rewards me, I think. Yeah, and I can really see how that links back to your original goal of being a teacher. So it actually makes sense from a a values perspective. During your time in market access, what would you say has had the biggest impact? I mean, there's a lot. So in the industry as a whole, in in healthcare, it's it's always changing. Um, And staying current with that is, is something that we all is is sort of fundamental to things to everything there's a lot of change uh, there's a lot of change in the industry there's a lot of change in healthcare and those of us who work in this space it's it's a core part of what we do and what we have to deal with um in market access specifically usually it's um the way health systems react to innovation to novelty those are the things that tend to have big impacts in the in the world and in the world of market access in particular. So it's been things like, I mean, I'm going looking at the whole 20 years now. It's things like um, statins being, you know, once the biggest selling drugs in the world uh, and being available as generics, which changed, you know, big changes in the marketplace as a result of that, with a lot of policies coming into place to 
to help health systems save money or similarly with biosimilars. Um, so big opportunities there that's in the last the last few years that's happening. But uh, the big one recently has been cell and gene therapies. Uh, and, and what they've done is they've made health systems think again about how they see value. And big challenges like that, some really, really innovative groundbreaking responses are kind of what I would say are, are some of the biggest market access changes that have seen in recent years. Um, but but medically, I mean, and when I started um, my, my science background a long time ago, medically, I never could have imagined I'd be working in an industry today where AIDS, breast cancer, they're chronic diseases now. Um, yeah. Hepatitis C is essentially curable. These were death sentences 20 years yeah. ago. Um, and that's uh, a phenomenal thing for me to reflect on and remember and, and use as a way of reminding myself how quickly things are changing. Yeah, absolutely is. I guess something that I'd like to explore more with you are what are the biggest headlines hitting market access currently? As, as you know, there are always things changing all over the world, um, lots of interesting things happening. Um, a lot of column inches uh, are coming out of the US at the moment. Um, as the, the economist joke goes, when the, the US sneezes, the world catches a cold. So <laughs> the US has such a big impact on our industry. So the, the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, that's making a lot of headlines. Um, the, at the same time as that, there's a lot of pressure on, on PBMs um, within for transparency, a lot of prop uh, propositions within the Senate, within the House, to really shake up the US pharmacy space as well. And some of the price transparency that comes with that, that changes the dynamics within a health system. So it removes some negotiating tools, the ability to spread the load, and that could see some quite significant changes for the whole US health system, from pharmacists to employers to obviously the pharmaceutical industry as well. There could be quite a few shocks coming out of that. Right. Okay. So how should market access leaders be preparing for those trends? That's the, that's the uh, billion dollar question, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, if you could just give yeah. us the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in four bullet points is every good consultant does. Um, I, think, I think a lot of companies are, are taking a look at their portfolio planning and their forecasts. So these are, these are strategic um, adaptations that, that industry leaders are making to try and accommodate the impact. Um, because to an extent, the industry can influence and can affect these decisions, but to an extent, they're quite reactive to them. Um, so shifting channel mix, changing some gross to net assumptions in the US, and by changing the emphasis of the US as a driver of business, then some companies are looking elsewhere. They're looking at Europe, Japan, the Middle East for their long-term plans as well. So it's, it's about rebalancing um, their business mix a little bit. Uh, and that takes quite a lot of doing strategically. It's easy to, easy to come out of that as a recommendation, but pharma companies, they're like big oil tankers. You know, they're not always easy to change direction, even, even a little bit. Um, so I think operationally, 
these these changes will take a while to to actually bed in. But I think that kind of global strategy mix is is what some of the the more foresighted clients are looking at at the moment. Okay. And I know we talked a little bit about this previously before we started recording, but I'm interested to hear whether there are any trends that you feel won't have the impact that's perhaps being predicted. Well, it's my chance to be controversial now, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> really take a punt on something that's going to come back and be, be the biggest thing in the world. Um, so I, I, I think the Inflation Reduction Act is, it's obviously important, but it's got lots of different bits in it. And the bit of it that's making the most headlines at the moment are the Medicare price negotiations. And, you know, there are, there are lawsuits happening. There's a, a lot of uncertainty about the mechanisms, about, about some of the timings as well, what will and won't be included. That's generating a lot of, uh, a lot of attention but in, in honestly, looking across the whole industry, that will only affect relatively few brands in, in, in the near term. However, the uncertainty of it is affecting the whole industry. So the, it's the uncertainty that is, that is really driving the attention. So in terms of actual impact, they'll have a pretty big impact on a few products. But as the industry as a whole, as the uncertainty sort of uh, calms down a little bit. I think that's going to be going to be a little bit, um, you know, a bit of a red herring there. There are there are some other parts um, I mentioned before. There are other parts of the the IRA which I think might have a, a bigger impact in the longer term. So the inflation price caps and the Part D redesign, those are I think going to have a more tangible impact in the short term on the way the industry thinks about. U.S. managed care, U.S. managed access. Um, that's going to force some quite short-term evolution in the industry. Um, I don't think it's necessarily revolutionary, but it's going to need a few changes and in, in expectations and an understanding to, to accommodate that. In some categories, it'll change account-focused dynamics and definitely pricing. But in others, there's actually a real opportunity to show win-wins here with patients. And I don't think we should overlook that either. It's not often that a health system evolves in a way that gives us the chance to, to find a sort of common ground, a really good win. Uh, and I think those are starting to appear here um, with some parts of the IRA and some parts of the Medicare redesign. Looking outside the US, um, Germany in particular. Uh, so I've been fascinated by this ongoing answer to our question, what happens if you have a health economist as a minister of health? Uh, and it's been a, a sort of a thought experiment with colleagues for years, and, and now it's happening. So it's great to watch. Um, there have been some really positive reforms that have been proposed very recently, actually, in the last couple of months, which for me, I think it would help take Germany back into more of a role as a leader in European health. Um, there's been a lot of rigidity over the last 12 years. It's really threatened that. So Germany became sort of an obstacle or even a, a market to be avoided. But I think now we can start to see a bit of a rebalancing in that, which is, which is wonderful. Uh, and then we've got the ever evolving story of the, the joint clinical assessment and what it is, will it have teeth? Will it just be another administrative process? 
uh, that's something that's playing out in real time as well. So, yeah, lots happening all over the world. Sure, very interesting to hear your personal take on that, Nick. So thank you. Changing direction slightly, you've recently been part of a team who was awarded Mentor of the Year Award by the Northwest Biotech Initiative. And you've also been running a course with Self for Pharma for, what is it, nine years? Um, what drives you to give back to the industry by getting involved in initiatives like this? Wow. Um, so the, the Northwest Biotech Initiative, uh, first of all, it's something I've been involved with um, since it, it began. It, we just celebrated their 10-year anniversary this year, and uh, we're, we're very, very lucky to be invited to that and uh, to that ceremony. And we got to see some of the, the founders of the organization as well as their, their leadership through the years. And it, it's a great organization. It's led by students and they want to get a taste for life after academia. Um, and I remember being in their position and I didn't even know that consultancy was an option at the time. I, I just thought I would you know, end up going working for industry or something or maybe end up back in a lab. And I think anything we can do to give a, a realistic idea of what it's like as a career, it's a way of paying it forward to a lot of the mentors that, that I've had and still have in my career uh, who've been very generous. So one characteristic, all the great mentors I've had, uh, they've been very generous about sharing knowledge and, and sharing experience with others uh, in the hope that one day someone will find it useful. Uh, and I, I'm very, very lucky that, that the whole team at Access Infinity, they share my enthusiasm for this. Uh, and in fact, four of the team, four of our consulting team have been involved in mentoring the next generation of consultants as well. Um, so it's been a great experience and we've been lucky enough that some of those involved in the, the Northwest Biotech Initiative have gone on to become colleagues of ours as well, which has been, uh, it's been wonderful to actually join them on their next stage in their career too, after just, you know, an initial discussion at one point uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I think it's an amazing story and it's um, great that so many of the team are so passionate about this idea of paying it forward, as you said. And what about the training you do with Self for Pharma? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a, a slightly different different thing. This was a realization that a colleague and I had um, oh, quite a few quite a few years ago. Uh, um, we took a look at the, the market access consultancy we were doing, and we realized that doing really great technical stuff with our market access expert clients, that was only just a little part of, of what it meant to be effective uh, in this consultancy space. So we realized that it's only a small part, but the bigger picture was our job isn't finished until all of the relevant people in the client team know what it means. So for something like market access, it touches every part of the brand team. We have to be able to communicate with the medical team, the marketing team, the commercial, regulatory development, country teams. So we've got to be not just technically really good at the market access problems. We have to be able to explain it to those with different backgrounds. And if it's the CEO of a biotech or a brand medical team, we have to be ready to, to do that. Um, so my colleague and I, we started pulling together these primers, these like quick one or two page descriptions of country health systems 
um, that we would share with these teams to give them a bit of context to the uh, to the consultancy that we were doing with the giving access team, uh, and eventually it came together as a as a course, um, and uh, it's you know it's gone through many evolutions over the years, um, and now it's this this one day foundational course for people who are either new to market access or want to refresher or they want to understand more about the interaction points with market access and their roles. Uh, it's it's always such a fun course and. I learn something every single time I do it, um, just driven by the, the the number of different people from different disciplines and backgrounds and countries that I get to interact with. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it keeps me keeps my brain sharp, and I think it it makes me a better consultant in the, in the long run as well. Oh, that's great. So for those people who may be listening who are perhaps at the earlier stage in their career. What advice would you give to anyone considering a career in market access? What would you say makes the field within pharma rewarding to work in? I mean, the obvious, the obvious thing to do is pull the old switcheroo on you here, Louise, and say, <laughs> tell me, so how, was your, how have you found your first few months in market access? What's, what stood out to you so far is it, about it being a little bit, a little bit different or a bit weird? Okay, well, this is the first time the interviewer's become the interviewee, but I'll give it a whirl. Um, I have to say, from doing the podcast particularly, it's really been fascinating to learn about the people that work within market access. Again, sort of, um, that's why the point you made earlier really resonates with me. I'd say what I found so far is there's a generosity within market access leaders and professionals to share knowledge and expertise and people genuinely seem passionate about helping their people to grow in their own careers. And so far, I've really found it a fascinating and rewarding space to be in um, compared to a lot of the other industries that I've worked in. Thank you. I, I don't have a follow-up for you, but so you're, okay. you're off the, you're, you're, you're off off the, the hook, hook. <laughs> No, thank you. It's great. It's great to see, and it's it's always, um, as you know, it's always great to uh, to hear your experience uh, reflected from other people who have a different perspective and a different background, uh, and that's that's exactly what what my advice would be to anyone thinking about a career in market access is ask people. Don't be afraid of reaching out, um, whether it's LinkedIn or a friend of a friend for a chat. Um, I mean, we're a pretty busy bunch, but <laughs> we'll always find time to, to talk to someone, honestly, about what it's like, uh, about what, what it's like in the day-to-day. -day. And to your point as well, I think for a first job, I'd focus less on the mechanics of it. You know, don't try and plan out your whole career with your first job. Pick a place with people that you feel you can get on with. You're going to be spending a lot of time with them, so it's a good good indicator of it. Because maybe maybe unlike um, other disciplines, market access is definitely a team sport, and you need to have a great team around you. And getting to know the people is the the first way of of picking your team. Absolutely, I think that's um, a brilliant place to end the podcast today Nick thank you ever so much for giving up some time and for me to interview you today I've really enjoyed this conversation absolute pleasure thanks so much Louise and sorry for turning the tables on you <laughs> no worries 
This podcast has been brought to you by Access Infinity. We are a team of market access and pricing specialists with a purpose to help pharma companies tackle their challenges head on through a combination of technology and consultancy services. Our core solutions are Access Hub, Neuro and Evidence Library, which you can find out about at accessinfinity.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, have a great day and goodbye.